There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Decomplicating Dressage podcast. For those of you that are new here, my name is Jess Gale and this podcast is all about unpacking, understanding and simplifying the world of dressage. In this episode, we are on to our last episode of our collective's mini-series and we're taking a look at the Rider Position and Effectiveness Collective. Now, this is a big one and I think it's something that has a lot of misunderstanding around it. As usual, we're gonna look into and unpack exactly what the judge is looking for, how you can improve your rider collective, and we're also gonna look at what to do if you don't understand your collective mark or the comments from the judges. We're gonna finish by talking a little bit about why I think this collective has a bit of controversy around it and how you can really get the most and understand and improve your rider position to benefit your training with your horse as well as this collective in a competition. So in this mini series, we're taking a look at the collectives and these are the marks you get at the end of your test for paces, impulsion, submission and your riding. When a judge marks you, they have two parts to fill out. The first part are the marks for each individual movement where the judge assesses the quality of your horse's way of going and the actual performance of the movement and they'll take both into account when deciding on the mark. The second part though is the collectives and these are at the bottom of your test sheet which they fill out once you've completely finished your test. These marks sometimes have a coefficient of two which means they can be worth double the marks they normally are. They should show the overall impression of your whole test. So it should show the strengths of the test as well as the areas that need developing. All of this should be related back to those scales of training. So it's basically a blueprint to show you what to go back and work on in your training. At prelim, the collectives are laid out differently to how they're laid out at novice level above. And when we get to kind of FEI test, there's only one collective. So in this series, we are looking at the collectives that are used from novice up. 
um just because this is something that kind of the majority of people will be experiencing but if you're competing at fei or at prelim these episodes will still be really relevant to you so in this episode we are focusing on the last two which i've decided to group together and they are rider position and rider effectiveness now the rider collective is broken down in different ways depending on the level and the test you're riding Sometimes it's broken down into two separate collectives and sometimes it's just one and they are worded differently too. So sometimes they talk about the rider position, sometimes it's the rider's seat, sometimes it's the rider's effectiveness, sometimes it's the rider's results. Either way, it all comes down to how you sit in the saddle and how you influence the horse. So we're going to look at the position and the effectiveness as two separate things just so we can break it down as much as possible. So we'll start with the rider position then. And the directives generally for this are described as things like balance, straightness and correctness of position. So when it comes to balance, then we'll look at that first. When a judge is looking at how balanced the rider is, they're looking for a rider that's able to hold themselves up and in the saddle without relying or negatively impacting the horse. So they should be able to move with the horse's movement and not interfere with the horse's way of going in a negative way. So things like grabbing or gripping onto the reins, tipping too far back or too far forward, clenching and fixing with the legs or the hips or your bum in the saddle, if you've got wobbly or unsteady hands or erratic or kind of sudden movements are all signs that the rider could be off balance. But to become more balanced in the saddle takes time. It's not just a case that you can go for one lesson and someone teaches you this magical trick that's suddenly going to get you sitting balanced in the saddle. To be balanced, you need to be able to sit in the right position. And we'll get to that bit later. But you've got to be able to be strong enough to sit and move with the horse without gripping, whether that's with your hands or with your legs. And to get this takes time. You need to build up your strength in the saddle and learn to sit balanced and use your muscles in a way that means you stay relaxed, but those muscles are still engaged and they allow the horse to move underneath you. When it comes to straightness, then this is all about where you sit in the saddle and where your body is. The more straight you are, the easier it is to be balanced, but also the easier it is to give correct aids. So straightness is really that kind of first building block you need to think about when you're looking at improving your position. When a judge looks at a rider's straightness, they're going to be assessing two things. Firstly, where you sit in the saddle, and then secondly, how evenly you sit. So to sit in the correct position, you need to sit on that triangle between, without being too crass, your front hole and your back hole. (laughs) If you sit too far on your tailbone, what's going to happen is your lower leg is going to slide forward and ultimately you will put yourself off balance, potentially also your horse off balance, and you're going to be influencing your horse in a whole host of negative ways. But sit too far forward and your lower leg might slide back, your bum might come out of the saddle. And again, you're out of balance, your horse is out of balance, and more likely your horse is probably going to end up a little bit on the forehand too. 
So a great way I was taught to think about it is to imagine that your pelvis is a bowl of water. If you tilt your pelvis too far back and you sit on your tailbone, all the water is going to tip out the back. But tilt your pelvis too far forward and the water is going to tip out the front. We want our pelvis to sit straight in the saddle. So we imagine that we're keeping that bowl of water straight so no water can slosh out the back or the front. And we can then take the same analogy on when we look at whether you are sat evenly in the saddle. And this is all about you sitting with an even weight down both seat bones and both legs. So you're not tipping left or right. And again, the bowl of water analogy works really well here. So sit too much on your left seat bone, your hip's going to drop, which is going to cause the water to slosh out the left side. But sit with too much weight down your right seat bone, the water's going to go out the right side. So think of your pelvis as the first building block for your position. Once your pelvis is straight, then the building blocks on top, like your back, your shoulders, your hands and so on, are going to have a greater likelihood of being straight. But when your pelvis isn't straight, let's say we're tipping forward and to the left, our upper body is going to compensate for this by tipping to the right to balance ourselves out. So things like if you're tilting your head, if one shoulder's lower than the other, if you sit to the left or the right, could all come down to you not sitting evenly across both your seat bones. And again, this can affect your horse. So your horse might be more blocked in one rein or the other. They might be more supple one way than the other. They might struggle to bend around one leg more than the other. And this is why the rider's position is such an important collective, because ultimately we train our horse to be influenced by us. But a lot of the time we're going to be giving them cues and instructions that we don't even realise we're giving. And we're going to be trying to correct lots of issues that we're ultimately causing. So by fixing your positional issues, you may find that a lot of the problems or issues you're having with your horse may just completely disappear. The last thing then in a rider's position is the correctness. And simply the judge is just looking for a correct position. So they'll be looking for that shoulder hip heel line that we all know about. And they'll be looking to see if you are sitting in the correct position. So in the middle of the saddle, they'll be looking to see ultimately whether your position is having a positive or negative effect on the horse. So if they see that your horse is tilting their head because your hands aren't straight, because you're not sitting straight, they will mark you down. If they see that your horse is on the forehand because you're tipping forward, then you'll get marked down for that. And if they see your horse has contact issues because your hands are wobbly, because you're not balanced in the saddle, you will get marked down for that too. And it brings it back down to the fact that a straight rider will make a straight horse, but an unstraight rider has the potential to make a straight horse crooked. And this kind of brings me on to something that I wanted to talk about in this episode, in that when a judge marks anything to do with the rider, there is a level of not necessarily awkwardness, but I guess there's a perception that this could be taken offensively. And I've seen this loads where a rider's been given, let's say, a six for their riding and they've taken it really personally and they've complained about the judge. And it's not like one time. This is like quite a regular occurrence. But I think there has to be a change in how we take criticism of our own riding. I think 
it always seems easier to take criticism about a horse. So if someone says, our horse is blocked in the right rein or our horse isn't supple right way, it seems a lot easier to take because, I don't know, maybe it's because we can sometimes just fob it off on the horse almost and say, oh, well, the horse is fixed to the left. It's not because of me or they're lazy or whatever. But when someone criticises our riding, we can't blame anyone else. But I think we've got to be more accepting that a lot of the time, the reason why our horse is lazy or fixed in one rein is because of us anyway. And so I think there's got to be a big change in kind of an awareness of how much we influence our horse negatively as well as positively. And more of an acceptance, I think, that we can be critiqued for that and we can be told what's wrong with our riding and our position without it being such a kind of personal attack on us as riders like if we get a seven that doesn't necessarily mean that we're a good rider and if we get a six it doesn't necessarily mean that we're a bad rider it's just there will be things there that need to be fixed and there will always be things that need to be fixed but let's move on then to the rider's effectiveness and this part of the collective looks specifically at the aids the rider uses and the response the horse gives. So the correctness of the aids is all about where you put your legs, where you put your hands, where you put your seat to ask for each movement. So it needs to be that you ask for each movement in the correct way at the correct time. And then the effectiveness of the aids is all about how your horse responds to that. Now, transitions are a big place where judges will have this collective in the back of their minds. Transitions that are slow or lazy to react to your aids show a lack of effectiveness, whilst an overreaction to the aids shows the same. Similarly, if transitions are late because the rider didn't prepare them correctly, this shows a lack of correctness and timing of the aids. So overall, then, the judge is looking for a rider that sits straight in the saddle. They don't tip forward, back, left or right. They sit balanced in the saddle. They give correct intentional aids at the right time and they get an effective, correct response from the horse immediately when the aid is given. Now, part of why I think there's a big problem around the kind of rider position collective and actually sometimes to be fair with all the collectives in general is that it's often there's often a lot of confusion and misunderstanding around it. And sometimes we get a mark or a comment that we don't understand or don't quite get. And because it's not related to a specific movement, it's a lot more difficult to go back and look at a specific point in time and go, oh, yeah, I can see where that happened. So if this happens to you and you get a mark or you get a comment that you don't quite understand or don't quite get, you have three options here. Either go and find the judge and they're normally more than happy to talk to you and more than happy to help you understand why you got the marks you did. If you have the test sheet or the video of your test as well, that can be really helpful to kind of jog their memory a bit because ultimately they will have probably judged loads of tests and to go up to them and say, oh, I was on the chestnut in the prelim is quite difficult to kind of understand um, or quite difficult to kind of remember. So you can show them the video or show them the test sheet and you can ask your questions of kind of, why did I get this mark? What specifically were you seeing? How could I improve it to get better marks? 
And that is such a helpful thing is to to have the confidence to do that is a big thing in itself. But once you've done it, it can be so helpful. If you don't want to do that, you can show the test sheet and the video to your instructor. And this is something that can be really helpful because I get all my riders to do this. They, if they do a test, whether they're happy with it or not, they'll send me the video and send me the test sheet. And then we can, or I can kind of go back and I can have a look at what, where were the places they lost marks? Where were the places they gained marks? And there may be some things that I pick up that they didn't pick up. And then in the lesson, we can then discuss it. So the rider then comes away with a better understanding of where they went wrong in the test and where they did well, how they can get more marks. And it makes the whole competition experience far more productive. If you can't do this with your instructor or you don't want to, you can do this with yourself. So you can sit down with the video of your test and your test sheet and go through each movement and look at what mark you got and look at what comment your judge gave and see if you can see where that happened and then come up with a game plan for how you can improve it in your training. Now, I personally love the Rider Collective and I feel it's something that isn't really focused on enough in terms of marks and in terms of guidance and like I said I think there's a there's kind of like a stigma attached to it that if you get a seven or above you're a good rider and if you get a seven or below you're a bad rider but I think that we need to start focusing on this collective more it brings it back to the fact that dressage is all about the rider's influence over the horse And if we're not correct in terms of how we sit and how we train and how we ask for things, we won't get the correct results. It just won't happen. I also think that we don't focus on this enough as coaches really either. A lot of riders come with a problem or an issue with their horse and want to fix that by fixing their horse. But I think it's our job as coaches to build a rider's awareness of how their position is influencing the horse, no matter whether that's in a positive or negative way. So how can you improve your rider collective then? So over this series, we've spoken a lot about test riding and how this will help your collectives. But when it comes to the rider collectives, I think it's more about something you need to keep plugging away at. So as a rider, we should have an awareness of how our position influences the horse. If they don't react in the right way to something, we need to first look at what we did and if we asked correctly before just assuming that the horse did it wrong. So all riders should know what their positional weaknesses are, how this could be influencing the horse, and they should be constantly developing their balance, their seat, their aids, their position all of the time. So something that I always say to my riders is that if your horse does something wrong or if they don't respond in the way that you expected them to, there's one or two reasons why that's happened. Either they don't understand what you're saying and they either don't understand the concept or they don't understand the aids that you've given them or you've asked them wrong or potentially you've trained them wrong. But it's going to be one of those three things and all of that comes down to us as the rider it's our job to train the horses it's our job to be consistent so they understand what we're asking them to do it's our job to then put those aids on correctly so they understand what they're supposed to do 
So the better we can be as riders and trainers, the better our horses will be. Now, if you're listening to this and thinking that you have no idea what your positional issues are or how they're influencing a horse, you can either chat to your trainer about it or there are some fantastic new kind of rider analysis coaches out there that are specifically trained to see a rider's weaknesses and give you loads of tools to fix them. If this is something you want to do on your own at home, you can get someone to video you in walk, trot and canter from behind and then from side on. And then you can have a look back and see whether you're tipping to the left or right, forward or backward. And you might even be able to see how this is influencing your horse. But building your awareness is kind of the most important part because it's that first step. Once you're aware of what it is you want to fix, you can then ask for help or try different things to see what works and what helps you. So that is the end of this episode and of our collective series. I know that you have all loved this series and it's been great to hear all of the ways that you've been taking all of this information on board and putting it into your test riding and competing. So do please keep those messages coming in. As usual, please do share this episode with anyone you think it would help. And if you have the time, I would love for you to leave a review. It means that Apple is more likely to kind of share it with other people like us. And so hopefully we can kind of spread the word and help as many people as possible, which is what these podcasts are about. Next episode is going to be kind of similar to this. We're going to be looking at No Stirrup November and some tips and some exercises and ideas that you can try throughout November to help you um, improve your position and your correctness and your effectiveness as a rider. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and I will see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.